It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Just win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for breaking news. Unfortunately, not the good kind either. And we'll talk about it with our friend who is the editor at JetNation.com, Mr. Glenn Naughton. Glenn, some bad news here for the Jets today. We'll get into the nitty gritty of it. But for the second year in a row, they lost arguably their best offensive lineman, one of their most versatile players, One of the guys who everybody looked to, even though he's very young as a leader on the team, just devastating to hear this news from Elijah Vera Tucker. As I joked yesterday, and I was joking with you before we started recording, the rule of thumb with Robert Sala is if he says something about an injury that's positive, assume it's going to be bad. If he says something about an injury that's bad, assume it's going to be really bad. And so that's why I tweeted out yesterday Assume that Elijah Vera Tucker may miss the rest of the season or at the very least is going to miss a long stretch. It is indeed an Achilles and he is going to miss the rest of the season. Devastating blow here for the Jets. And you have to feel terribly for Elijah Vera Tucker, who for the second year in a row sees his season end in Denver. Yeah, just, uh, you know, I say all the time that I get tired of Jets fans saying that this team is cursed. But man, I don't know how long I can keep saying that before I start to wonder myself. I'm always, I'm always like, curses aren't real. Stop with the we're cursed, you know, BS and stop complaining. And then you see the Aaron Rodgers thing. And then you see this thing. So, someone said the other day, it's like, it's like the Jets have to trade a starter for every win they get. Like if they're, if they're going to get a victory, they got to give up a starting player after the game for the rest of the season. Um, cause that's the way it seems to go with, with this team right now. And it's, it is catastrophic. You feel terrible for AVT, a guy who, you know, missed uh, most of last year with an injury, comes back and then makes it, you know, four or five games into this season and it's back on the shelf and really paints a very bleak picture about the the immediate future for this offensive line. I had a discussion earlier today, Glenn, with somebody about Elijah Vera Tucker and we were talking about if he's lived up to the draft billing. And the argument, of course, is that three years into his career, he hasn't been a pro bowler or an all pro, but The obvious answer to that is that a big part of the reason why is that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He got hurt last year. He's now hurt again. So obviously he can't make an all pro or a pro bowl this year. Couldn't do it last year. And on top of that, his own versatility and value to the team knocks him down a peg when it comes to potentially making a pro bowl or an all pro because he's constantly shifting different positions. He wouldn't settle at one. So how would he possibly make an all pro or a pro bowl at one of them? Also, he's moved to a position at right tackle that he didn't play in college. He played left tackle. He's out of position, not only 
in the tackle sphere because he would have gone from left to right, but also because his natural best fit is at guard. So when you take a guy from his best position and slide him not only to a position where he's weaker, but a position where he has no experience, obviously he's not going to play at the same level. But I think it's incredibly rare to have a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker who plays at an elite level at the position where he's meant to play and still at an above average level at other positions on the offensive line. And that's what you saw from him over the course of a couple of weeks last year. He went from right guard after switching from left guard to then right tackle and left tackle all because of injuries. And he played all of those positions at an admirable level at guard. I would say he played at almost an elite level. And then this year you saw he was off to a pretty good start and then he got moved to tackle out of necessity and he was playing above average at tackle as well. So a lot of that versatility comes into play with why Elijah Vera Tucker was so valuable. And I'm sure why Joe Douglas and Robert Sala really wanted him. I want to get into what the jets can do now going forward, but that has to be considered in terms of what this means for the jets, the versatility, the leadership, all of that, now you have that piece in Elijah Vera Tucker that you could slide all over the board. You need him at right tackle? Sure. You need him at left tackle? No problem. You need him at left guard? Okay. Need him at right guard? Great. He could play any of them and play them at an above average level. And as I said, some of them even better than that. Now you lose that chess piece and it takes a really valuable component out of that Jets offensive line in so many different ways. Yeah. And I think the key to what you're saying there, Scott, is that he plays them at a, you know, an above average level. Because I do laugh sometimes. Sometimes we see players come in who play multiple spots on the offensive line, but they're bad at all of them. But it's like, oh, but he plays this and this. Right, but he's a liability. Or, you know, he's okay at one, but he's a liability at the other. The liability at the other. So, fine, he can play them. But really, how much value does that bring if you're, you know, if you're, if you're one of the worst players in the league or just not very good at that spot? Whereas with Vera Tucker, you move him around and you're getting quality play at every spot, which is so rare. And that is what makes him so valuable. You know, there was there were some complaints this offseason about the way Joe Douglas handled the offensive line. And I was one of those people. And it wasn't long ago. It was just, just a few weeks ago, um, probably around the time of the Dwayne Brown injury. Someone commented to me and I, I don't can't remember if it was Twitter or if it was on a, a, a YouTube video. I did something. Where they, you know, said the, the way they've handled this O line is an abomination. I said, well, I said I kind of agree, but I want to see what they do with AVT first. Like, if part of their plan, if if part of their reasoning for not adding another tackle this off season was, listen, if it comes down to it, we can slide AVT to tackle, and then we've got a guy like Schweitzer who can play guard. Um, so if they viewed him as a backup tackle coming in, it's not as egregious as it was if you just came in with the guys they had and were one hundred percent sticking with Vera Tucker at guard which obviously they weren't. Obviously, they had that flexibility. They used it to their advantage, but it blows up in their faces again. Um, and it's just a, a terrible situation to be in for, for the team and for Vera Tucker. And you've now got a guy who, who you you know, hoped that, especially last year, a triceps injury, it wasn't the type of injury where it's a musculoskeletal that you're expecting to be a repetitive thing and with a likelihood of being re-injured. Um, but he just it just turns out to be another injury, and this time it's an Achilles. And so you've lost a high-level starter at multiple spots that, as you say, just he gives you so many different options along that that O-line. That, to me, makes him more valuable than his skill level, which is already, you know, he's a very skilled player everywhere he plays. But it's that ability to, to move around and, and still offer high-level play that makes him kind of, there, there's probably probably only a handful of guys in the league that you could put in his class 
that can do that. Elgton Jenkins comes to mind. Um, there's probably one or two others, but he is a rare, rare player. So even if you want to say no Pro Bowls, no no All-Pro, I don't care. Like the, I would rather have a guy who can do what he does than have one guy who can play one spot at a high level. And I think the argument could certainly be made that if he were left to play guard, he probably would have an All-Pro nod by now, or at least the Pro Bowl nod, if he hadn't gotten hurt. And that, of course, becomes the discussion point going forward. The Jets probably will pick up the fifth-year option on Elijah Vera Tucker, but now you have to be worried about his health the same way that you have to be worried about Makai Becton, who missed two years in a row with injuries. And we'll get to Makai Becton in a little bit. First, though, the path forward here for the Jets. Max Mitchell came in for Elijah Vera Tucker after Vera Tucker came out of the Broncos game, played okay. That's really all the Jets can hope for at this point is serviceable tackle play. You would assume, even though Robert Sala declined to announce who was going to play right tackle, that it will probably be Mitchell. After that, you've got Billy Turner, you've got Carter Warren coming back. But remember, Warren's a rookie and he's coming off injured reserve. And Billy Turner is versatile like AVT, but bad unlike AVT. So you would assume that given what the Jets have right now, Max Mitchell makes the most sense. But with AVT gone, you would think the Jets will probably try and add some sort of depth, whether it's a guy on the free agent market right now or somebody on one of the other team's practice squads. Slim pickings right now, though. Glenn, talk a little bit about some of the options the Jets have. I know you tweeted out a couple of names earlier. And, of course, the path forward for the Jets. As I said, I would assume it's going to be Max Mitchell, at least for now. But obviously, anything can change. Yeah, you know, I had... um. I'd I'd said a couple days ago, but, you know, prior to the AVT injury that the Jets should be um, or sorry, prior to learning, he would be out all season. Um, You know, we we knew he was out. There was some optimism. He'd be all right. But um, I'd said, you you know, you need to go out and talk to Lael Collins, you know, the the former Cowboy, former Bengal um, struggled the last time he was on the field, but apparently wasn't 100 percent is now medically cleared to play. Uh, he's got, you know, what, 58 career starts somewhere in that neighborhood. I think at the very least, you have to bring him in for a workout and see what you think and see if you think he can hold up and give you quality play at, at tackle. Um, and if you don't, then, you know, I mean, do you, I guess, again, slim pickings. Take a look at Jason Peters. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's on the Seahawks practice squad. I don't quote me on that. Um, but look, he's a guy who's been in the league for a million years. Um, but he says he wants to keep playing. He is still in the league. And if even if he's a depth piece, even if you give the job to Max Mitchell, but you want a, a, a quality vet backup, maybe you look at Jason Peters. Um, Kellen Deesh is another guy I mentioned. Honestly, he's a guy that I liked out of college, out of Arizona. Um, was drafted by the Dolphins as a late-round pick. I've not seen him. You know, I haven't seen him play since being... Uh, I, I watched him some with the Dolphins. Haven't seen him since then. I know he was a guy that was earning some some quality reviews early on, but obviously Miami let him go. I know in terms of tackles, like the guy moves as well as any tackle you'll ever see in terms of his his agility, his his ability to pull and hit and get guys in space. But I did say, you know, at the time he was drafted that he needed to get stronger. I don't know if that's something he's been able to do. And really, other than that, you know, I'm, I'm looking at sort of, you know, young rookies who, who would be nothing more than depth. I mean, if you're talking starters, and I saw somebody – proposed this on our forums on jet nation the um the possibility you know do you call the texans and see if they'll if you can get george fant back for for a late pick or a mid-round pick um i even i wouldn't i wouldn't give up more than a late rounder to be honest even with the situation being what it is 
But there's some guys that, you know, Connor Galvin, a rookie out of Baylor, Earl Bostic out of Kansas, Tyler Vrabel out of uh, um, Boston College, all, you know, all rookies who had moments in college where they look like they might be able to play in the league. They're on practice squads. I wouldn't get any of those guys with an eye on them playing right now. But if you're going to if you're going to elevate Max Mitchell and, and backfill that, you know, that sort of third tackle spot, you consider one of those guys. But in terms of guys who can step in and play, I think it's got to be, you know, Lael Collins has to be at the top of your list. Consider Jason Peters. Um, but again, consider how much he can give you at his age. He's in his late 30s. And um, again, Dish, I, w- I, w- I don't even know what you would get out of him, but maybe that's when you turn to a guy like Fant or, um, the, you know, the problem is you're you're at a point in the season where not a lot of teams are, are out of it who, I mean, first of all, how many teams have a, have a quality tackle to spare? You know, there aren't many. And um, and even if you think there might be a couple, how many of those teams are so far out of it already that they're willing to part with one? It's going to be hard to find a dance partner. I think I think Lael Collins needs to be target number one. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Glenn should also say that Dwayne Brown will be an option after week eight, which is when Robert Salas said he will be eligible to return. If that were to happen, you'd assume that that would mean moving Mekhi Becton back to right tackle because Dwayne Brown has been in the league for almost two decades and exclusively played left tackle. At this stage of the game, it would be almost impossible for him to learn to play right tackle, whereas Becton has some experience there. But of course, the downside to that would be taking Makai Becton away from the position where he's played well and seemed comfortable and the position that he could play for several more years with the Jets if they decide to bring him back after this season in favor of the short-term fix of Dwayne Brown, who didn't really play very well before he got hurt again anyway. And so then you look at what could happen if Makai Becton gets hurt. And then let's say Dwayne Brown slides in the left tackle and then you have Max Mitchell at right tackle or Carter Warren or Billy Turner or somebody like that. And I say this because Bakai Becton left the game at one point on Sunday and also because Robert Salas said that Makai Becton deserved credit for, quote, gutting it out while dealing with his knee recovery. Salas said that Becton should be fine, but we've seen this before from Salah. He'll say that. And then a day or two later, the guy's not playing in the game on Sunday. Now, as you pointed out to me before we started recording, Glenn, Makai Becton has said a couple of times that he's just going to have to live with the reality of being in constant knee pain. That's just something that he's going to have to live with after those two big knee injuries. But as we've seen with Robert Sala, and as we joked before, if he says something good, it ends up bad. If he says something bad, it ends up really bad when it comes to injuries. And so if you're a Jets fan, you got to be a little nervous about this. Even if Makai Becton is able to play on Sunday against the Eagles, this is something that Jets fans are going to have to keep their eye on, not just this week, but going forward. And now that Elijah Vera Tucker is out of the picture, it's going to make things a lot tougher in terms of depth, especially until Dwayne Brown comes back. And then, of course, if Dwayne Brown comes back and there's no tenable option at right tackle and Becton's still healthy, do you move him over there? There's so many moving pieces here, but the Jets desperately need Makai Becton to stay healthy, especially after Vera Tucker went down. If Becton goes down too, the Jets are going to be in a lot of trouble at tackle. Yeah, they certainly are. And I know, you know, myself and a lot of other fans, just seeing Becton down on the turf yesterday, um, you know, seeing him leave once, you know, you get that that feeling in the pit of your stomach, like, oh boy, here we go. 
you know, and I feel for the guy, you know, the, the, the amount of weight he's lost, the amount of work he's put in, you know, I've, I've been sort of one of those folks that's, that's spoken up and said for a while now that I thought if, if, if he dropped the weight that I thought he'd come back strong and he has, he's played well, um, especially yesterday was probably his best game. Um, but really the injury thing is until, until you see a couple of seasons out of him and really this goes for any player that misses any, you know, you miss a season or more. It takes a couple of years, a couple of a couple of years without any major injuries before people say, OK, you can you're kind of a guy we can rely on now. Um, Beckton, we're not through half a season yet. And we saw him come out of the game twice yesterday. And and yeah, as as I said, you know, how long can a guy be expected to, to tough it out and work through this pain? So this is what I meant when I said a few minutes ago that this is this has huge implications for the Jets offensive line moving forward because. I'm one that's I've defended Joe Douglas. A lot of people have ripped him because of the the state of the offensive line. But as I've said, like Joe Douglas's job is to identify and acquire talented players. And to me, you can't deny the talent of a healthy Makai Becton or a healthy Elijah Vera Tucker. They're studs. They are absolute studs when they're on the field. They didn't have any significant injury history before they were drafted. You've now got Joe Tipman, who's looking fantastic in the middle. So to me, Joe Douglas has added some very talented young players but they've been hit with the injury bug. And I don't really, I don't get mad at a GM for that because it's hard enough to predict whether or not a guy can play, let alone predicting whether or not he'll get random injuries, you know, especially the type Becton had, which was such a freak injury. Um, now, listen, it's a different story if you draft a guy who missed a dozen or, you know, 15, 16 games in college, and then you draft him and he gets hurt in the NFL. In those cases, you look at the GM and say, what the hell were you thinking? But in these cases, these are two young, healthy guys who didn't miss time in college. All of a sudden, they're in the NFL. They can't stay healthy. So you, you lose one yesterday. Another left the game a couple times after missing two full seasons. So you almost feel like even though Becton is back and he's on the field, and even though Vera Tucker is a very good player, you almost feel like you're going into next year with the only tackles on your roster being Carter Warren and Max Mitchell. So you got work to do. Yeah, Glenn, without a doubt, you can't blame Joe Douglas for drafting Mekhi Becton from the injury standpoint. And Vera Tucker as well. The only thing I will say is that you can blame him for not doing more to shore up insurance at the position in the offseason. One last thing, Glenn, I just saw this quote. It caught my eye. Robert Sala asked about the healthy scratches of Carl Lawson and Mecole Hardman. Quote, from a D-line standpoint, somebody has to be down, especially when you're missing a couple of corners. We needed more special teams help with Brandon Eccles being out. And you can't dress 10 D linemen every week. Somebody had to sit. Obviously, we wanted Will McDonald to help us provide an ability to get to the quarterback on defense. He's also a vital part of our special teams unit. Same thing on the offensive side of the ball. Irv Charles made this team initially because of his special teams ability. It's just a matter of trying to get him up, especially as a gunner. When this team lost Brandon Eccles, we really, really needed a gunner opposite Justin Hardy. And Irv showed it on the first punt forcing that fumble. He's an animal on special teams and a tremendous asset to this team. So of course, what I come out of this thinking, Glenn, is that the Jets had the opportunity to get rid of Carl Lawson, clear his salary, get something for him and clear the way for Will McDonald before the season. They didn't do it. They held on to Carl Lawson, restructured him. They had Will McDonald inactive for a while. Now they've got a guy who even though they restructured his deal to $9 million, there's still void years that are going to hurt the Jets later on. So plenty of money being wasted on Carl Lawson. And as he said, you can't dress 10 defensive linemen every week. Should have thought of that 
before and traded Carl Lawson when you could have gotten something for him. And then Nicole Hardman. I get the logic with Herb Charles that they needed him to be active, but I just don't know what is going on with Nicole Hardman. I joked on Twitter that I wonder if there's something that he did behind the scenes that we don't know about. But at this point, he's got to be regretting signing with the Jets. I can't imagine that Hardman or Lawson have much in the way of trade value at this point. But if the Jets can get anything for them, even a conditional pick, they're not using them anyway. They're on one-year deals. They should try to get something from somebody if they can. Yeah, I actually, uh, when I did a video this morning, um, I I talked a little bit about some of the moves Joe Douglas has to make and uh, that I thought he should make. And it covers a lot of what you and I have talked about today. Um, You know, with one of those things being Lael Collins, getting him signed. Um, and and to and another one was to shop Carl Lawson, um, and I should have included me Cole Hardman. The problem is Carl Lawson has been so bad. I mean, he's hardly getting on the field, and when he is, he's sleepwalking. So I, as much as pass rushers are at a premium, and you would think a player of Carl Lawson's stature, even a guy, even though he's been a disappointment, if he was playing okay right now, if he had two sacks, you might be able to get a seventh or a sixth round pick for him. But based on the fact that he looks, uh, who was it? Someone someone put up a stat the other day um, that he's not won a single pass rush rep this season. Like he and he looks like he's moving at half speed. Um, so I don't. I mean, shop him by all means. And if you can, if you can get the Denzel Mims deal, you know, Lawson and a seven for a six, um, something like that, because he's he's offering nothing. And it, it you know, the surprising part is. is if you remember Robert Sala, I, I think it was the owners' meetings. I'm not sure when he was asked about Lawson, and he said, uh, "You know, he said as long as that guy can walk, he's here." And and it the the thing was, and the reason I was so surprised because I, I you and I had the conversation about the the supposed deal they had in place, and they were close to dealing him. I was shocked because as much as Sala loves to defer every single personnel question to Joe Douglas, and you know, I think he should just wear a T-shirt that says that's a Joe question. Um, he was asked about some players at the owners meeting. And when they mentioned Carl Lawson, that was the only guy. Sala said, hang on a second. I can speak to Carl Lawson. As long as he's standing upright, he's not going anywhere. Like, And I was like, wow, that's like a definitive, you know, pound the table statement for a guy. When every other player you were asked about, you said, don't ask me. That's a joke question. So I thought Lawson was a lock to stay, which obviously he did stay. But just the fact they were entertaining a trade. I found surprising, um, but having added having added Will McDonald in the first round, um, they, they've now got, you know, I joked about it a couple weeks ago and said that the Jets just wanted to test the old adage that you can never have too many pass rushers. Because right now the Jets are like, uh, yeah, we do. We actually have too many pass rushers because we can't dress all of them, and we're going to have to sit guys who are making millions of dollars, um, and it's frustrating. And Hardman, listen, that excuse is fine if not for the fact he didn't play any other week either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, why didn't Miko play? Oh, because someone else. Okay, why didn't he play last week or the week before? Or And listen, I know there were some games where he had three or four snaps, but you, you get what I'm saying. He wasn't brought in for the money he was paid to play three snaps every couple weeks. So the guy is essentially not playing. So any excuse now carries no water because it's an every single week thing. It's not a this week thing. So Miko Hardman must be absolutely kicking himself. You know, he's probably lost money on that 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 jet necklace that he bought when they signed him. Um, and he probably wouldn't have bought it if he'd have known that he wasn't going to see the field. And how long here's my question. How long do you let him hang around? He's literally just there taking up a roster spot. 
Like, there's got to be a guy somewhere, either on your practice squad or on someone else's practice, who might see the field, who might be able to get on the on the field on a Sunday. Because Miko Hardman certainly isn't. So, by all means, if you can get a pick for him, go for it. Glenn Naughton, the editor at JetNation.com. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about the breaking news of the Elijah Vera Tucker injury with me. Really appreciate it. Glenn's going to have plenty of coverage over at JetNation.com. So check him out there and on Twitter at JN Radio underscore Glenn. Check out all of our coverage at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome All-22 breakdowns on our channel. So watch those videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash PlayLikeAJet. Visit our store, TeePublic.com. That's TeePublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, bless you. Thank you shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes along with to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. 